Cause sometimes I be right Hello Welcome To the show It's bracket time That's right Everybody's getting excited Filling out your brackets As you listen to this The games are probably Probably going on right Yeah I'm, I'm gonna let y'all know My opinion What I think Who I think is gonna win it all Not that you care You know Also I got some confirmation this week That I'm not crazy I've been giving my takes on some of the uh, the NFL quarterbacks in the draft. And I got some confirmation this week that I'm not crazy. Get into that. Kyrie going crazy. I guess he's mad about the uh, the vaccine mandate, right? And uh, listen, just a heads up. Got some LeBron talk coming. That's right. I know I'm considered the LeBron hater. I promise you I'm not. Uh, but some developments happened this week. You know, some things I just want to get into. But let's intro this thing, man. Welcome back, Cyber Family. How you been? Good to see you again. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. This is Sometimes I'll Be Right. I am John Farris, reporting live from Trash Can Studios. As always, joined by my co-host, Wally. Say what up, Wally! Uh-uh. How you been? <laughs> Listen, this ain't really going to be no quick hits or nothing, but like, I just want to touch on the fact that Kyrie... Uh, Scored 60 last night as I'm recording this. Just scored 60. Uh, and and, and the, the world's going crazy, or the sports world's going crazy, because there's, like, the mandates in New York that he's not allowed to play in home games for Brooklyn. Um, but he was able to to sit there on the sideline with without a mask. And they're like, well, you know, because he's not vaccinated, I guess, right? So, like... New York has this weird thing where he's not allowed to play in New York because he's not vaccinated, but he's able to play road games. And it's like, what's the point? Like, what are we doing here? Now, me personally, I think like, yo, just just go get the vaccine then. Like, your teammates have it. They're fine. They're they're healthy. They're doing well. Um, they obviously felt like it was okay to get it. If this is a problem for you, or rather than going on a crusade like poor Kyrie, just go get the vaccine or don't and live with the consequences. And initially, he said, I'm living with the consequences. And to his credit, he is. He decided not to get vaccinated and he's dealing with it and he's handling it. He's never come out and said anything against it. He's going along with it. So good on him because that's the way to do it, right? If they put something, a mandate in place and you say, man, no thanks. And they say, all right, well, if you say no thanks, here are the consequences. You got to live with them. Right. And he's doing that. So I've earned a lot of respect for Kyrie through this whole situation because he made his decision. He's living with it. No complaints at all. That was just a little side note. But let's get into quick hits. Quick hits. Quick hits. So Baker Mayfield came out and put out a little, uh. A little post thanking Cleveland for the time he's been there because the Cleveland Browns met with Deshaun Watson and his representatives about talking about possibly waiving his no trade clause so that they can make a move for him. So Baker's salty. (laughs) And you know what? He's been there for four years and they're still unsure. They still don't know if he's the guy. Look, Baker, sorry. Like... I think he's trying to get out ahead of it and be like, I love Cleveland. This is where I want to be. This is where I want to be. And if something doesn't happen or if I end up getting traded or moved, it's on them, not on me. Trying to protect himself from being the bad guy. 
or trying to endear himself with the fans so they kind of say no we don't want watson watson's accused of all this stuff he's the bad guy we want to keep baker he's a good guy like whatever it is it just feels like baker at this point just be quiet like does it matter you want to be there who cares okay you know like just own it if they don't want you anymore just okay real g's move in silence <laughs> so pittsburgh uh is is signing mitch trubisky um and there's there's some pushback some people saying like oh mitch trubisky what a terrible move and my question is why not like his price tag's probably not going to be high He's got some level of talent. He was going to be drafted probably in the first round. People thought too high for him. You know, maybe the the Bears shouldn't have traded up to get him. But he was going to be drafted, right? Like, he's a draftable player. He's not terrible. He probably, you know, needs some, some work or some development at the time that he was drafted. But at this point, I think it's fair to say put him in a better situation with a better organization, with better players around him. And why not? What? What harm? Right? What if you had what if they strike gold, right? Like he might not start, he might not play, maybe it doesn't work out, but it's worth a look. Cause like I said, right now you got uh Mason Rudolph and you have Dwayne Haskins. Right? Mason Rudolph, you know he's played, you know like he can he's could he's not the worst, right? <laughs> but it's also you can upgrade from that. Is Mitch Trubisky as good as those two guys? Probably. And if you could get him in there cheap veteran guy who's played who got some experience who you know can pick up nfl offenses is going against defenses has been productive why not bring him in there and see what happens there's nobody in the draft this year that you need to go after right so bring him in i'm cool with it the cowboys traded amari cooper and uh and 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 the thing that's blowing my mind is look at some point we have to acknowledge maybe amari cooper is a problem right he's quiet his demeanor is kind of like football guys don't really like it because he seems like he's disinterested, not really all about football. He's got interests outside of football. And, and I've heard Cowboys fans and I've heard Cowboys um, people that work for the Cowboys writers and stuff talk about, no, this guy loves football just because of his demeanor. He seems like he's got other interests doesn't mean that he doesn't love football. He loves football. And you hear that a lot. But the Raiders traded him. Now, they got a first-round pick, so you would say, all right, let's trade him. But they they didn't want him anymore. They were done with him. And the Cowboys, after he came in and changed the world for Dak, got him a big contract, was very productive after a, a, a disappointing season. But if you look at his numbers, like, he didn't have a bad year. And he wasn't targeted very much. I think he's, like, in the bottom half of the league as far as targets. So you say to yourself, like, all right, and they traded him for a fifth-rounder. Now, obviously, you would say, well, they needed to save some money, but you could just restructure, right? Or you could pay him and cut money somewhere else. If you felt like he was worth it, you would pay him. You would have no problem. They're not trying to cut Prescott because they feel like he's worth it. They're doing whatever they can to keep him and make it work because they feel like it's worth it. So at what point do you say, hmm, maybe Amari Cooper just rubs people the wrong way? So now you got Brands fan, Browns, Brands, Browns fans all excited because, oh, man, look who we got. We got Amari Cooper, a solid number one. You got the NFL media talking about, oh, man, you got a solid number one for a fifth-round pick. Wow, what a steal. Why do we do this? Why do do people continuously get excited about a player coming to your team when in order to come to your team, the other team had to say, we don't want him? I'm just saying. We need to get over that. And uh, we're not going to get into the LeBron stuff, but, you know, it's coming. (laughs) Uh, So... 
I've been talking about Kenny Pickett. You know, I've kind of been on a crusade with Kenny Pickett, right? Because I've just felt like he's overhyped, overrated, overpraised because it's a very weak quarterback class. And because of that, this guy who looks the most solid benefits from the fact that everyone around him has massive flaws. Well, an ex-scout uh, for the for the Jets, obviously not you know, the greatest source because the Jets are kind of boo-boo. Um, here's what he had to say on Kenny Pickett. He said he's a one-hit wonder who looks jumpy in the pocket. And prior to 2021, he threw a high interception to touchdown ratio over his first four college seasons, 39 touchdowns to 25 interceptions. Pickett is rough around the edges, and he does not throw the easiest ball to catch. Now, his small-sized gloved hand will attempt to throw an even bigger NFL regulation-sized football. Predicts him as a career backup and has a fifth-round grade. Bingo! Finally! Somebody says it. The guy had 39 touchdowns, 25 interceptions in his first three years of college. Comes out in his senior year, has a really good year, and all of a sudden, this guy needs to be the first quarterback taken? First-round pick? Come on. Jumpy in the pocket. Yeah, I saw it too. Doesn't throw the easiest ball to catch. Yeah, I saw it too. That's what I've been saying. Look, I thought I was crazy. Like, yo, everybody else in the NFL world seems to love this guy. Said he has the highest floor, which is a nice way of saying, well, you know, he is what he is. You know, (laughs) other guys might come in and flame out. This guy's going to come in and at least be okay. Career backup. Colt McCoy type, a guy that can come in and for a game or two, you'd love to have him. But are you going to put the franchise on his back? No. Fifth round grade for him? I thought it was a little higher than that. But again, I'm judging it based on the quarterback class. So yeah, you know, what are you going to do? But look, I'm just glad to find out that I'm not crazy. You know what I mean? That's always nice. So look, let's get into... um. Let's switch gears and get into some NBA stuff. And uh, so last weekend, or on Saturday, I should say, um, is when Ben Simmons finally had his return to Philly. Since, you know, he sat out and the big trade for Harden. And it was a big deal. And every and the media hyped it as like this must-see event. And I was confused because Ben Simmons wasn't playing. So he was going to be sitting on the bench. But then you can't really taunt him because he's on the bench. So if you start chanting stuff, like you're just disrupting the game and like you're more interested in the game than you are the guy sitting on the sideline, right? So I didn't understand why it was a big deal or a big event. In fact, I thought like I don't even understand, you know, why is Ben Simmons there? Like, why is he there? <laughs> like if you're the Nets, just don't even tell, tell him you don't have to worry about coming. Stay home. Don't make the two-hour drive. Stay home. We don't need you here. Like, what's the point? But he showed up. And in some way, I thought that was cool. Like, be there on the bench, sit there, take it, you know, kind of toss it in the fans, of, in the face of the fans to be like, yeah, I'm here. But here's here's what kind of confused me. And here's the, the part of it that I wanted to talk about. The part that's confusing me. So Philly fans are all excited for Harden. They got James Harden and all excited. Yeah, like what a trade! Like we won the trade. We won the trade. Get Ben Simmons out of here. How can you love and support James Harden coming to your team when he did basically the same thing that Ben Simmons did? 
I want out. I don't want to be here anymore. Trade me. I'm not playing for you anymore. Isn't that what Ben Simmons did? Isn't that what Harden did? Like, weaseled his way out of Brooklyn? Isn't that what James Harden did when he weaseled his way out of Houston and they didn't want to let him go, so he decided not to get in shape and just show up fat and sloppy, not really participate in things, and just made it very uncomfortable for everybody, so they had no choice but to trade him? And then he went to Brooklyn because that's where he wanted to go. And they said, well, I wanted to go to Philly or Brooklyn. And then they traded me to Brooklyn. So I'm happy to be here. Got to Brooklyn, was all happy, all excited, played hard, did his thing. And then all of a sudden decided, I don't want to be here. Now, there's rumors or, you know, speculation as to exactly why. But he weaseled his way out. He started doing the same thing, making it uncomfortable. Now, there's reports that he was telling Steve Nash, like, Days before, like, no, this is where I want to be. I'm staying here. I'm not going anywhere. I don't I don't want to go anywhere. But in the behind the scenes, we're still saying, yo, get rid of me. Trade me. And so now Steve Nash has an issue with him because it's like, yo, you didn't have to do that. You could have just been honest. But to present it as one thing and then do something else behind the scenes, that's, that's shady. That's snake stuff. So now Philly loves him. They're ready to support him. Can't can't believe they made the trade. Awesome. What a, what a well, we love James Harden. Cheer for him. Go crazy for him. But my thought is, yo, Ben Simmons... Ben Simmons isn't the bad guy. Let's let's go through the timeline. So Ben Simmons is your guy. You love Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons is playing for your franchise. He's part of the process. Trust the process. Coaches love him. Everybody comes in. The sports media loves Ben Simmons. Oh, my God. We get into the playoffs. He has a really bad series. He does. Can't, can't deny it. Can't knock it. Can't say anything about it. He has a really bad series. He has moments in the series where he flat out refuses to shoot the ball, refuses to try to score. And in one instance, it possibly leads, directly leads to a loss. After the game or after the series, you know, Doc Rivers gets questioned, can you win a championship with Ben Simmons? And he says, probably, it's very easy to answer that question. 100% we can. We 100% believe in Ben Simmons. He does a lot for our team, blah, blah, blah. Even if you don't believe it, you just say it. Yeah, absolutely we can. Doc Rivers decides, for whatever reason, to say, I don't know. What? Saying I don't know is the equivalent of saying, no, nah, we can't. He's not, he's not good enough. Because sports, we automatically, sports fans, we expect you just to say, yeah, of course. Of course we can. So when you have any level of doubt, we take it as, oh, he doesn't at all. Because if he had any bit of belief that he could, he would just say yes, just to play it safe, just to stay on the good graces of the guy because you don't want to cause any friction. So you would just say yes. He says no. Ben Simmons quickly becomes the scapegoat for the Sixers the entire offseason. He's the reason why. We can't win with him. He's a problem. Sports media turns on him. The, the, the organization seems to just basically put him out in front, throw him under the bus, bl- put the blame on him. Not anybody else. It's not anyone else's fault. It's him. And Ben Simmons says, man, what the hell? Like, I've been here through all the bad times. I've come in. I've dedicated myself to this team, to this organization. I play hard for you guys to do everything I can. I have a bad series. All of a sudden, like, you're going to put all the blame on me? And I feel like for him, yeah, it's kind of babyish. I don't agree with the move to say, well, I don't want to be here anymore. 
But if he felt betrayed, if he felt like the organization just turned on him the first chance they got, if he felt like, yo, that's wrong, that's messed up, morally, I'm out, that's on him. I don't agree with it, but what he said was, I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to play for you guys anymore. I don't want to play for this organization or this coach or this team anymore because of what you guys did. Now, I disagree with it. Again, I disagree with it. But that's the decision he made, and he decided, I'm going to sit out and refuse to play. Right? Didn't constantly throw shots at anybody. Didn't do all this other. Just didn't play. Didn't talk. Didn't play. I'm out. And Philly fans hated him for it. Turned on him. Oh, how could you do this? You're such a baby. Blah, blah, blah. you no good anyway. And they wanted to trade him. And I am not a Ben Simmons guy. I've told you before. If the guy's 6'4", yeah, he's nobody. But the fact that he's so big and athletic, you say, oh, 6'10 point guard. Oh, my God. Like, I'm not impressed with all that stuff. So you guys know. Coming from me, I'm not the Ben Simmons guy. But I'm saying him and James Harden essentially did the same thing. One of them did it quietly. One of them made the decision, made the stance, held on to it, didn't pretend, didn't come in and try to make people uncomfortable, just, I'm out. And the other guy was a weasel about it, and that's who you got, and now you love him. Guess what, Philly? Harden's going to break your heart, just the same as Ben Simmons. You basically got, you flipped it, you got a better shooting Ben Simmons. (laughs) Like, He's going to disappoint you in the playoffs. He's not going to come up big when you need him to. And he's probably going to snake and weasel his way out of town as soon as things don't go right or you guys stop praising him or he stops feeling like you're kissing the rings, which he has none. But he still wants you to, you know, bow down to the king. And as soon as you don't, he's going to want to get out. That's who he is. That's what he's proven. Two stops before, he's proven it. Right? Left OKC, wanted the money. They weren't going to pay him. We got to move on from him. We got to get something for him. Goes to Houston. He's a god. As soon as he starts to falter, they start to have questions. Eh, I don't know. They stop kissing the rings. I want out. Goes to Brooklyn. He wants the offense to run a certain way. They say, nah, that's not the way we're going to do it. He wants out. He's going to do it to you, Philly. Soon as things don't work out, soon as him and Joel get into a little beef, soon as late game, they start saying, give it in to Joel. They start running plays for Joel instead of Harden. He's going to want out. Good luck. That's your problem now. I just It just baffles me how you can be mad at one guy and then be excited about another guy who's coming to your team who is doing the same exact thing. I don't get it. But whatever. So, look, I'm a, I want to end today uh, talking about the bracket, so I'm going to hold off on the bracket because I'll, I'll spend an ex- extensive amount of time Talking about the bracket and going through all of my picks. Uh, just a heads up. If you, if you go based off of, if you gamble based off of me, NCAA bracket is not, don't, don't hit your wagon to me. <laughs> but what I want to talk about is there's been a lot of LeBron stuff happening. At least for me internally. And the rest of the world, probably not. But for me, the wheels have been turning, baby. And what I want to do is I want to ask a question. And and this came up because of Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook has been getting murdered this year in terms of like, oh, he ain't no good. He's this. They can't win with him. Look at it. Oh, what a disaster, blah, blah, blah. He's been getting murdered. And I started thinking either one of two things happened. Either A, he completely fell off the cliff skill-wise, or B, 
something's going on in L.A. that's a problem for him, that he can't get around. And I asked myself the question, maybe, maybe, and this is something that nobody's talking about, nobody's saying it, but maybe, maybe it's hard to play with LeBron. I said it. Maybe. Maybe it is. If you remember, early in one of the first few episodes, I had brought up the point or the question, does LeBron really make guys better? And I brought up the biggest players he had, and I started looking up the numbers and saying everyone that's played with him has decreased in statistics. You know what? I apologize. I'm an idiot. It's a little cold. (laughs) I can't speak in stats. They've all kind of, the stats have gone down. And you say, huh, Kevin Love. Um, why am I drawing a blank? Why am I the big man that came from Toronto? Chris Bosh. Oh, my God. <laughs> Me drawing a blank is like a recurring theme. I think we're going to have to uh, have like a, an alert or something when I start drawing a blank. But anyway, Chris Bosh's numbers went down. Even Dwayne Wade's numbers kind of came down a little bit. And I was like, maybe he doesn't make guys better the way we say. And obviously got some pushback, you know, people seem to think that I'm crazy for that one. But in reality, maybe it's hard to play with LeBron because Chris Bosh said it afterwards. Like, you do have to make a sacrifice when you're going into that situation. And we just took it to be like, oh, yeah, of course, you know, you, you have three superstars come together obviously everyone's got to take a little dip and I was like yeah everyone takes a dip except LeBron he doesn't seem to take a dip he still seems to get his and everyone said oh Miami turned it around when you know they decided that it was LeBron's team okay and then he goes back to Cleveland he reconstructs the roster Kevin Love comes over who's a 20 and 15 guy all of a sudden his numbers go down and it's like yeah it's tough you know playing with LeBron and have you have to make that adjustment and you have to get used to it taking that role and it's like all right his numbers go down and he becomes kind of a totally different player and now we look at Kevin Love completely different from the way we did when they made the trade right like Kevin Love has been forgotten but before he went to Cleveland with LeBron Kevin Love was legit like star in this league like numbers got like putting up numbers so you had Kevin Love who had to readjust and you have Chris Bosh and you have Dwayne Wade and you have Kyrie who had to adjust and you you just you just wonder at what point can we acknowledge maybe it's tough to play with LeBron and now you have a guy like Russell Westbrook who was averaging a triple double three straight years a guy who had bounced around who had went to Washington and was still averaging almost a triple double comes to the Lakers, and now all of a sudden looks like he can't play at all. You got guys saying, yo, put him on the bench late in games. Don't have him out there. Looks like a guy who cannot be productive in any way. Can't figure it out. Fell off a cliff. My question is, perhaps the problem is, is that he's being asked, and he's being required to conform to playing a type of way in order to better help LeBron and 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 mold your game around LeBron and that's just something that he's not capable of doing and instead of saying hey you know what it's just not a good fit he just can't fit into what LeBron needs and that's a difficult thing and he's just not able to conform his game instead we're just crucifying him as if like there's something wrong with him yo there's nothing wrong with Russell Westbrook 
I, pr- I guarantee you trade him right now to a different team and have Russell Westbrook play the way he's always played, he's probably going to average close to a triple-double. And in fact, I bet you he's going to go somewhere next year, probably average close to a triple-double, and everyone's just going to acknowledge, oh, what a bounce-back year. Like, no. Maybe we need to acknowledge that it is hard to play with LeBron. And look, that's not even a knock on LeBron. People say it was hard to play with Jordan, and there were some guys who couldn't do it. It takes a very particular type of player to play with him, and that's fine. Some guys couldn't play with Kobe. Dwight Howard couldn't play with Kobe. Kobe was hard to play with. Do we knock him for it? No, we don't, but we acknowledged it. There's people now now that will acknowledge that Jordan was a jerk and it was difficult to play with him. Still a great player, still one of the greats, but it was hard to play with him. People always acknowledge it was hard to play with Kobe. Still love them, still respect their greatness, but we just acknowledge that that was a thing. When it comes up, that was a thing. LeBron somehow gets away with it, and perhaps it's because he's still playing. But I remember when Kobe was still playing, and they always talked about how hard it was to play with Kobe. While he was playing, maybe Kobe's not the best teammate. Maybe he's not the greatest leader. Somehow LeBron gets to escape all that because he's a nice guy. Because we rarely see him like screaming at somebody or we don't have any footage of practice where he's calling people soft as Charmin. You know what I mean? Like they don't have those things. So we look at him like, oh, no, he's a great teammate. Maybe he's difficult to play with. Maybe guys don't like him. Maybe Russell Westbrook is having a really hard time because it's like, yo, I can't fit into what you want me to be. I got to be me. And that's fine. He's an alpha. I thought when they made the trade, like, yo, you can't bring this guy there and not let him be that guy. If you're going to try to get him to play a different way, I got news for you. Russell Westbrook's not a good enough shooter to stand around on the perimeter, catch the pass from LeBron, and throw it in. He's not, he's, not, he's not good enough to do that. That's not his specialty. That's not what he does. Those two don't fit. They never did fit. The idea was bad. It was LeBron's idea. He wanted it because he thought, yo, this guy is a great player. I could play with him. No, but you brought him here and then asked him to change. There's nothing wrong with asking the question, and I think we need to ask the question. Maybe it's hard to play with LeBron. Again, not a knock on LeBron for it, but I think instead of just being so critical of Westbrook, just acknowledge, like, yo, they just don't fit together. He doesn't fit into what they need, and they don't need what he can do. Just, that's all. I don't know. That's just my two cents. Now, where the hate starts to come in. (laughs) Or for me, it's not hate, but some people might look at it as hate. LeBron is having a great individual season. Um, They're going to bring up his age, that he's 37. How is he doing this at 37? Well, we've already known LeBron is genetically one of the most gifted athletes ever. And we've also acknowledged that for the last decade, he's been putting in millions of dollars into his health and well-being. Training staff, nutritionist, taking care of his body. Like, he's done a great job taking care of himself. We don't know LeBron to be a a big-time party guy or a drinker or no drugs, anything like that. Like, we don't know him to be that. So we can assume that he's relatively healthy in terms of doing things in moderation, but really taking care of himself. So that's why. I I give him credit for that. But that's why at 37 he's able to do these things because he's probably one of the first people to take care of himself to that degree so that where he can get to this point and still be healthy. 
But he's having a great year putting up points. Assists are down, of course. But he's shooting more than he ever has. And he's putting up big points, big numbers. 50-point games, things like that. And he's getting a lot of praise for it and saying, oh, man, he's putting up these numbers and this team. The only reason why they have a chance to win is because he's got to do this. He's got to score this. And that immediately reminded me of a time period when a guy named Carmelo Anthony played for the Knicks. And they were bad. They were really bad. That Knicks team was bad. And so Carmelo had to take on the scoring load. And he was putting up numbers, averaging 27, 29 points a game. He was getting criticized because he wasn't getting other players involved. He wasn't doing more. Like, they were still losing. He's a he's a good player on a bad team. He's overrated, blah, blah, blah. He got kind of, he never got praised for being like, yo, he's putting up these numbers because he has to. It was always looked at as a negative. And my question is, what's the difference? Why when LeBron shoots more than he ever has in his career and scores, averages more points in his career, but the team is awful garbage, why does he get the credit for saying he's just doing what they need him to do and it's wrong that they that they even ask him? The fact that at 37 he has to do this is ridiculous. But Carmelo got looked at as being selfish and a ball hog when he was the best player on the team trying to do the most on the team. He got criticized. And that's my point. That's the point of all this. I don't dislike LeBron. I like LeBron. I do. I think LeBron's a great player. I do. I think he's top five all time. I do. I think he's obviously the best. Nah, I'm not going to say the best player of my generation. I still give that to Kobe. But I would have taken Kobe over him, but I also am well aware of the fact that that is just preference. That if you just look at raw stats, he's gonna he overtakes Kobe in everything. But I'm still taking Kobe over him because I, I, I prefer that attitude and I trust Kobe in a tight spot to perform better than LeBron. Now again, I'm willing to say that's preference and I could never convince someone who wants to use the numbers. Okay, but LeBron is probably the first player that we ever use the numbers for. And again, that's the point. I don't dislike LeBron or anything that LeBron is doing. I feel like do whatever you want. Be great however you see fit. My problem is the reaction and the support and or hate that LeBron gets from the public and from the media. That's what I fight against. Because LeBron does the same thing as a lot of players, but it gets looked at different. He gets credit where others get blame. For example, Carmelo Anthony was selfish when he was trying to put up big numbers, but the Knicks team was bad. They said, oh, they could be better if he would do this, 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 and he got criticized. His game got picked apart. Yet LeBron is averaging a lot of points, putting up more shots than anyone else on the team, and the team is really bad, 10 games under 500, is currently sitting at 29 wins, and he's getting credit. Makes no sense to me. So, so like, it makes me just think, so LeBron gets credit for making guys better when he's got the best talent around him. So when LeBron James has his best teams, right? So when his teams are legit good, they got good players around him, he gets credit as he makes everybody better. But when his team has lesser talent, like this year, and the team is really bad, he gets no, he gets no nothing, no criticism at all. It's, oh, he needs more help. It's not right that you need LeBron James to do all this. Like, what? 
Do you understand that LeBron James is averaging like three more points over his career average? Three extra points this year. Like, that's that's it. Not much has changed from him. So his numbers are relatively the same. So why does he get credit when the team is better because they have better players? But when the team is worse, he doesn't get any of the blame to say, well, maybe something's wrong with him. Maybe he could do more. Nope, he's allowed to just fly right through the middle, do what he's always done, and all of a sudden, no blame, no nothing. It's everybody else's fault. It's always a scapegoat. Last year was, oh, um, Anthony Davis can't stay healthy. How is LeBron supposed to win and depend on his number if his number two guy can't stay healthy? It was never the fact that, you know, maybe LeBron needs to do more. When LeBron said these shoulders were built to carry the weight and then came up very short, got his ass blown out, nobody brings up the comment that he made that he was capable of carrying the load. And he wasn't able to. We give him a pass for that. Don't worry about it. Not his fault. Anthony Davis should have been there. And if he would have been there, I think they would have won. Of course, easy to say that now. But he gets no blame. This year, team is terrible. Nobody's talking about, hey, LeBron needs to do more to get these guys, to make these guys better. He's supposed to make guys better, right? No, nobody says it. They blame all of Russell Westbrook. Anthony Davis still can't stay healthy, and Westbrook is terrible. How is he supposed to win when you got this guy playing the way he's playing? Huh? Still, gets no blame. They go to the finals in 2007, get swept. LeBron James gets no blame. Gets no blame. He's young. That team was terrible. The fact that they even got to the finals was amazing. Okay, sure, fine. Okay, I'll agree with you. They, they, they had no business. Like, they were never, they weren't going to beat the Spurs. Spurs were far superior to them in every way. Fine, I'll give you that. The Boston series loses. He needs more help. His team is terrible. He needs more help. Okay, fine. No blame. Goes to Miami, 2011. Has a terrible finals. It's just awful. Bad. Like, so bad. Russell Westbrook, when when the Thunder went to the finals in 2012 against Miami, he got a lot of criticism. In fact, who was it? Was it was it Barkley? I don't remember exactly who said it, but someone said that was the worst point guard play I've ever seen. I can't remember which uh, former player said it, but that was a harsh criticism. <laughs> and LeBron James played way worse than that. He played way worse just the year before in the finals against Dallas. Like, LeBron James in that series played worse. I've never seen someone play that poorly. I've never seen a guy look that bad. Like, not even, like, just just the way he, he looked horrible. Did he get blamed? Well, if you try to criticize him for it, you know what the fans and supporters say? You know what the media says? Just a blip. Just one time. It's un, you know, just a blip. Look at the rest of his career, though. And they try to, like, sweep it under the rug. Like, that's the only blemish on LeBron. Fine. Again, fine. Give you that. Goes to the finals with Cleveland and gets beat, gets swept. Not his fault. Team's terrible. He was going against a juggernaut. Oh, my God. Look. Going against the, the Warriors. Oh, my God. Four Hall of Famers. Are we sure? Are we sure Clay Thompson's a Hall of Famer after he's missed some time? His, if he retired right now today, you putting him in the Hall of Fame? Fine. Draymond Green, you putting him in the Hall of Fame? That, come on. Come on. Fine. Wasn't his fault. Team wasn't good enough, couldn't compete. Fine. But when they come back from 3-1 down with the same team, nah, don't worry about it. Give him all the credit for that. That made him the GOAT, according to him. 
he's now the greatest of all time because he came from 3-1 down. So what did the Warriors do? They went and got KD. Comes back, LeBron loses, gets swept, no big deal, not his fault. That team's unbelievable. Comes back the next year, loses again. Don't worry about it. Team's unbelievable. Gets a pass. Goes to L.A., misses the playoffs. It wasn't his fault. He got injured that year. He's dealing with some injuries. Don't worry about it. Not his fault. That's what I'm saying. That's what I rally against. It never seems to be on him. Anytime things don't go well, we always look around and say, well, what about look at that guy? It's like you never look at the source. The source of all the love, praise, and admiration that gets all the credit for when everything is going well. You never look and say, well, look at what that guy's doing. Look at what that guy's doing. Oh, man, look at that guy. You just put it all on Braun. And when things go wrong, you keep LeBron in his protected little bubble and you put it all on everybody else. At what point can we say, like, maybe it's hard to play with LeBron and maybe LeBron really needs a really strong, good team around him. And that, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. He's getting to the age now with 37 where LeBron can't carry the load. LeBron needs other guys to carry the load. And when they do, when they do, it's okay to give them some credit. That's all I'm saying. When you're in the bubble and Anthony Davis is playing great and the team is playing great, it's okay to say it wasn't all on LeBron. It's okay. If you're not going to give him all the blame, because guess what? It's not all his fault. This team this year is no good. It's not all him. I mean, look, he's not playing any D. He's 37. That's okay. (laughs) Calling something out and acknowledging something is not a problem. It's okay. But if you want to fix a roster, you have to acknowledge the problems with said roster. If you want to fix a problem, you have to address the problem. All of it, in totality. No, the Lakers are not 29 and 39 because of LeBron James. But they're not going to win a championship because of him either. You need a lot. You need to make adjustments. But if you're going to fix the roster, what you realize is if we're going to put LeBron James in the middle and say he's the key, then everything around him has to be built a certain way. So we have to acknowledge what does he need? He needs shooters. He needs guys that probably, you know, can handle the fact that this is what they want to do. Russell Westbrook, an alpha who wants to do it all, that's not a guy that's going to fit. And that's not a knock on Westbrook. It's not a knock on LeBron. It is just saying you guys don't fit together because you're both alphas who want to be in control. And if one of you can't swallow your ego and give the other person control, then it's not going to work. And LeBron has always been an alpha who wants to have control. Not a bad thing. All alphas do. Because LeBron says, if I'm going to win or lose, I need it to be on me. I need to win or lose on me. That's what an alpha does. That's what a leader does. I want to contribute, and if we don't make it, I'm going to take responsibility and say, I need to improve. You know what happened? It got to a point where LeBron realized he wasn't going to win the chips necessary to put him above Jordan. Does anybody still think he's going to win two more? And if he wins two more and ties, some people still aren't going to put him above Jordan. Because if it took you 24 years to get to six, that's, come on, that's longevity. 
And were you still the best player in the league at the time that you were winning those chips? Probably not. So we don't think he's going to get there. So now what he has to do is he has to pad stats. And if you think he's not, then why is he shooting more this year than he ever has? This isn't the worst roster he's had. When he was in Cleveland, those rosters were worse than this, and he still wasn't shooting as much. Come on now. Like, it's again, I don't have a problem with it. I don't have a problem with it. But I also don't have a problem with acknowledging it. Because we, we've criticized Carmelo Anthony's whole career for, like, trying to put up big numbers on bad teams. And he was a bad teammate. And he wasn't a guy. He wasn't an alpha. If he's the best player on your team, you're probably not going to win. That's the criticism he always got. I thought it was unfair. And now LeBron at this stage is doing the same thing, putting up big numbers for a really bad team. Like, clearly, if LeBron is the best player on your team, you're not going to win. <laughs> See the conclusions we could draw. <laughs> I'm just joking about the last one. LeBron could be the best player on your team and you still win. But it is, it is, I think it is time now to start addressing the elephant in the room. Maybe it's hard to play with LeBron. That's A. And B, maybe LeBron, you know, was getting credit for some things he didn't deserve sole credit for. That Miami team was really good. They didn't win because of LeBron James. They won with LeBron James. He was a key contributor. But they needed Bosch and they needed Wade which is why when they lost, if Wade wasn't healthy, he left because he knew he couldn't win because he didn't have a healthy Dwayne Wade. Isn't that why you said he left? That's why he went back to Cleveland because his writing was on the wall that Chris Bosh was dealing with a health issue and then you had Dwayne Wade was dealing with health issues and he wasn't going to come up and it was going to all be on LeBron and you can't win championships like that. Isn't that what you said? Isn't that why when he went to Cleveland he traded for Kevin Love because you can't win with just you, Kyrie, and nobody else. You need somebody else, a third. So he went and got a third. Isn't that what you said? Isn't that why they went out and got Anthony Davis? Because LeBron James can't do it on his own. He needs a, he needs a co-pilot. But then when they win, that co-pilot gets no credit. Ah, I'm done. <laughs> I think I've made my point. You know? I made the point. Let's end today with uh, some NCAA bracket talk. That's right. I filled out a bracket. But like I said before, full disclosure... If you're going to base your bracket on me, good luck. I do not follow college basketball that closely. I watch it. I do enjoy watching the tournament from time to time. I'll catch some games. Usually the first two days for me are my favorite. Once you start dwindling down the teams, I'm not as interested anymore. It's not really as exciting to me. I think I like the idea that there's like seven games on at once. And you could just flip around channels and they'll keep cutting back and forth to different games. I love that part of it, like the frantic pace of it, more so than who's actually winning. Like, I don't care. I can tell you right now, I do not care who wins the championship. <laughs> Makes no difference to me. Now, I will root against certain teams. I will absolutely root against Duke. I hate Duke. I've hated Duke since I was young. I just hate them. I don't like them. I don't. And maybe now that Coach K is leaving, maybe I'll like them. I know that sounds bad. I don't have a problem with Coach K. I love Coach K. But something about his, like, just seeing him on the sideline and, like, ugh. (laughs) That's weird, right? I just said I love Coach K, and then I just said I don't like seeing him on the sideline. I think that (laughs) what I'm really trying to say is there's, like, a weird energy that surrounds Duke that is just, ugh, like, it goes back to kind of the Fat Five where I've always looked at Duke as like privileged, um, 
very overly fundamental play straight by the book straight lace like no character nothing team that just played a certain way and like that was it like they there's this cookie cutter team and they were successful and obviously you know as a kid you're either gonna root for the the team that wins all the time or you're gonna root against them I am a natural born contrarian so I was naturally going to root against them but then they just had this weird cookie cutter clean cut image like the white boys that shot threes that couldn't really celebrate because they got no swag <laughs> that was Duke to me and I never liked it I wasn't with it right and maybe now that coach K is leaving maybe kind of the energy around the team might shift maybe some new blood coming in maybe the culture might shift a little bit you know I don't know maybe but let's let's start in reverse, right? Because obviously going through every single game would be difficult to do. And maybe we will. I don't know. We'll see how far this gets. But what I want to start with is I want to start with my champion and then work backwards. So I have, and this is, listen, don't, I'm telling you don't trust me. I'm not, I'm not supporting this at all and saying, let me tell you how I do this. So how I do it is I don't really follow college basketball. There's too many teams, too many conferences, too much to pay attention to, to even latch on and say that I have a favorite team. I have teams that for one reason or another, at some point in my life, I enjoyed watching for a season or whatever. And so that's a team that I will, that will always have a fondness in my heart. One of those teams is UCLA. I told you, Jason Capono, Matt Barnes, back in that era, watching that team, like, I just fell in love with them. That team, those players. Love Jason Capono. That was the guy that I related to. White boy with the headband, hitting threes. Come on. As a young kid, that was me. We've gone over this before. So I will always have a soft spot in my heart for UCLA. Kansas, back when they had, uh, was it Kirk Heinrich? Yeah, man. Back in that, that era of Kansas, I, I enjoyed watching them. So, like, I will always have a fondness for them. Tennessee, back when they had, uh, who was it? Back when um, when Tennessee was playing Memphis, and Memphis had, uh, that's when Calipari was there, and they had all the one-and-dones, and that rivalry with Tennessee was, like, a big deal, and they would play back and forth. Like, I just, I remember watching, I remember watching the game when Derrick Rose was with Memphis, and they were playing Tennessee, and it was, like, a big deal. And uh, Te- Memphis was missing all the free throws at the end of the game. I watched that game and I fell in love with Tennessee. And so I they will always in college basketball have a soft spot in my heart to be like, I will kind of root for them secretly. I told you Xavier is one of those teams because I just like the name. Uh Ohio State in in basketball, like I'll root for, but like I'm not like deeply invested. But that's a team I'll always if they're there, I'll root for you. Uh Gonzaga's another one. Like I always just root for Gonzaga. Like, I just like the way that they always score more points than everybody. Like, they they just run up and down. Like, I don't know. I'll always kind of root for them. So, that's heavily going to influence <laughs> my bracket, okay? So, I'll pull up the bracket and start filling out the bracket. And literally, like, sometimes I'll just pick, like, I'll read the, the matchup and just pick a play, team. No rhyme or reason for it. Maybe it's like, oh, I've heard them or, oh, I've heard, I've seen them play or, oh, I just watched them. So, for example, Houston, I just watched play the other day. And they were jacking up threes and switch, 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 putting up points. Like, I was like, oh, okay. So, when I see Houston's name, I'll immediately refer back to the one time I saw them play. I'm like, oh, I like what I saw and I'll pick them. Or I won't. Like, that's, but that's how I pick the bracket, right? So, that's how I do so my champion, I have UCLA winning the tournament. 
I know. I can't. I can only imagine how many people are laughing at me because I'm an idiot. Or there's gonna be a couple that are like, mm, "That's a good pick." <laughs> but some people are like, "What are you thinking?" Sure. And in the championship game, I have UCLA playing Kansas for the for the championship. I know. I know, man. I know. My final four. So we're working in reverse. My final four is Gonzaga playing UCLA and Arizona playing Kansas. Arizona is another one of those teams since like the Mike Bibby era that I just I just like watching them. They're like a team that I'll always root for. So that's my final four. Gonzaga, UCLA, Arizona, Kansas. Now, if you look at that, that's three one seeds and a four. That's pretty standard, right? Like I'm not the only one in America that's going to end up with a final four similar if you go just chalk and you just do all one seeds, get make it all the way through, that's fine. Oh, my God. You hear that stomach rumble? I'm hungry, y'all. <laughs> it's time to wrap it up, get something to eat. So how did I get to Gonzaga, um, Gonzaga being in, in the Final Four? So I have Gonzaga winning the one game, obviously. First seed against 16th seed. Like, come on. They're not going to lose in the first round. Then I got Gonzaga beating Memphis. Then I got him beating Arkansas. Then I got him beating Duke in the Elite Eight to get to the Final Four. So I got Duke in the Elite Eight. I hate them, but like, come on, they're gonna get far. Like they're just it's just in their DNA. So that's how they get there. So they ultimately beat Duke in the Elite Eight to get to the Final Four. No problems with that, right? How does UCLA get there? All right. I got UCLA. I got them beating Akron in round one. I got them beating, uh, I guess, St. Mary's in round two. I got them beating North Carolina. Oh, man, I got North Carolina beating Baylor. Yikes. Oh, man. I got UCLA beating North Carolina to get to the Elite Eight. And then I got them beating Purdue in the Elite Eight. So I guess my Elite Eight on that side of the bracket is Gonzaga and Duke and UCLA and Purdue. I got Purdue going that far. Purdue's one of those. I hate Purdue. Let me just tell you, I hate them. But I always feel like they do better than I want them to. So I got them going to the Elite Eight. Oof. I might regret that. I got them beating Kentucky to get to the Elite Eight. Yikes. Oh, man. I'll post my bracket on, on my Instagram. Uh... I posted on uh, Instagram, uh, the John Farris. If you want to check out my full bracket, I'll post that up today. Um, now, how does Arizona get to the Final Four? Well, I got Arizona uh, winning their first matchup, obviously against the 16 seed playing team. Like, psh, whatever, who cares? Doesn't even matter who that is. Then I got Arizona beating TCU. Then I got them beating Houston, and I got them meeting Villanova in the Elite Eight, and I got them winning that game. How do I get Kansas? Well, I got Kansas winning the matchup against the 16 seed. That's a playing game. Who cares? Nope, doesn't matter who makes it. They're not beating Kansas. Then I got Kansas beating San Diego. And I got Kansas beating Iowa. And I got them beating Wisconsin in the Elite Eight. So my Elite Eight is UCLA versus Purdue. Gonzaga versus Duke. Arizona versus Villanova. And Kansas versus Wisconsin. That's, that, that sounds all right. <laughs> for someone who's not following this that detail that sounds like it's all right you know that's that seems like it, it it makes sense i'm not that off now there's little games in between like let's take a look and just see what kind of upsets i got 
in the first round. You got little upsets. Like, I got Memphis beating Boise State. That's a 9 versus 8. Like, you know, you know little things like that. Uh, anybody else on this side of the bracket? Um, upsets, upsets, upsets. Nah, not really. I'm not really seeing too many upsets, bro. Let's see. Yeah, like, I got TCU over Seton Hall. That's a 9 versus 8. That's not really an upset, though. I'm good for one. I'm good for one, like, big-time upset that I'm going to pick every year. This is something I do. I don't really see anything, though, man. I got Iowa beating Providence, but that's like a 5-4. That's that's an upset, but not really. I got USC beating Auburn. That's a 7 and a 2. That's kind of an upset. I could see that. But not really. I don't have, that's, that's me, man. I don't have no major upsets. You know what I mean? And that's, again, I don't follow it that closely. I'm not deep in. I'm not tied in. I have no allegiances. I just got UCLA beating Arizona for the championship. Book it. And both of them will probably lose in the second round before we get there. Before we speak again next week, my final four could be trashed. <laughs> I'm excited to talk about it now. I'm excited to come back next week and see how right or wrong I am. Speaking of right and wrong. Yeah, don't worry. I'm, I, I, almost, I almost forgot to mention it, but how can I? Um, last week, I came in here, and I arrogantly and mockingly uh, brought up the people talking about Tom Brady coming back. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I said, uh, I'm still waiting for... I'm still waiting for Andrew Luck to come back. Remember that? And I, like, arrogantly, like, started pointing out all the guys, all the times they said somebody's coming back, and they didn't. And sure enough, uh, probably um, three days after making those comments, Tom Brady, sure enough, just said, uh, I'm coming back. And uh, the sports universe and the sports gods, once again, threw a big, fat, steaming egg on my face. Look, um, I love being wrong. I love making bold statements and being absolutely wrong. I think it's funny. (laughs) So when I found out, I I just laughed about it and said, no way. Like, how can I be so wrong? But I was, but I am, and that's okay. People, it's okay to be wrong. It happens from time to time. But, like, I just want to say, how do I think it's going to turn out? I... It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. I think Tom Brady's going to come back and be Tom Brady. It's not like he missed half of a season. It's not like he's coming back after training camp already. He's going to make training camp. He's going to prepare the same way he always has. I think, honestly, what happened was, I think at the end of a long season, I think he's just tired, man. He's just tired. Like, I always feel for the guys, like, I felt really bad for the Bengals after the Super Bowl because you start what when do you start training like may june july you're going through all of that and you get all the way through the season you get through training camp you get through the preseason you get to week one you get through the season you're beat up you're banged up you get into the playoffs you get through the playoffs you get to the super bowl and then it's over and at the end of it all you went through all of that that long journey and at the end of it you got nothing and now you somehow have to get together the strength and the energy to start all over from the beginning. You got to start those workouts when nobody's there. You know, 
when nobody's there to, to watch and you're just by yourself doing those workouts. Then you start those team activities. Then you start the OTAs. Then you start training camp and you go through that hell. And then you got to start all that all over. Just the idea of that at the end of the season, I can understand how that just feels like impossible. Like, no way, I'm not doing that. So Tom Brady probably felt at the end of that season, I, I can't do this again. I'm done. And so he was probably throwing it out there, tossing it back and forth. And probably felt like, ah, I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards just calling it quits. And then the story leaked that he was going to announce his retirement. And I don't know if he was going to or not. Maybe it was just a thought like he's leaning that way. And then someone leaked the story. And then he probably felt pressure to be like, you know what? He started hearing all the love and the world started saying, yeah, this is it for Tom Brady, blah, 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 this and that. And then he probably said, you know what? All right, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll walk away. Because you got to think, like, you're either going to walk away on top of your game or you're going to walk away when you just can't do it anymore. And it's obvious, like Peyton Manning just couldn't do it anymore. Probably would love to still play, but just physically couldn't do it anymore. And you could retire that way or you could retire the way Brady is where you could, for for the rest of your life, people saying, yo, I think Brady still could have played. Kind of like Barry Sanders. Barry Sanders could have still played and he just said, I'm done. You know, Megatron, same thing, still top of his game, could still play. And he was like, I'm done. So Brady probably felt like I could leave that way. Like, that's cool. And the story was already out there and the world started already accepting the fact that Brady was gone. And so he finally just said, you know, yeah, I'm done. But then after being away for a little bit, you know, you go on vacation, you spend time with the family and you start thinking about it. You start, you know, the draft starts heating up and your interest starts getting back into it you start thinking well what's the schedule like, yeah we got to get back to it at this on this day and you're like yo you know what man i kind of you start your body and your mind starts getting excited about it again and then you realize oh yeah i'm not taking part in it and then you say ah, maybe and then you start talking to the wife like you know what i kind of think you know kind of think i'm not done yet all right and then you know on top of that you got like the kids are probably like yeah go ahead dad it's fine and then you start thinking i don't think i'm gonna come back and that's how it happens it's a long-winded way of saying I was wrong. <laughs> but I love it because that's what we do here. That's my time, y'all. Listen, I appreciate y'all joining me, Cyber Family. Thank you for coming back again and again and again and again. For you new listeners, listen, I hope you found something you enjoy. I um, hope you come back next week. Same time, same place, same locale predictions. Uh, look, the whole NCAA tournament, I gave you my bracket. I'm going to post my bracket up today. Um... Listen, do a bracket. If you fill out a bracket, let me know who you got winning. Let me know if you think I'm crazy for thinking UCLA versus Arizona. I don't know. Look, when we come back in, we'll, we'll revisit all of this. Hopefully, I'm excited to see where I'm at. I'm excited to see if my bracket is just destroyed after day one or two after the weekend. Oh, man. Let's see, man. Listen, y'all have a good time this week. Listen, watch the tournament. Drink responsibly. Gamble responsibly. Please don't gamble if you don't have the, the spare change. Don't gamble more than you can afford. If you lose the bet and you feel like the idea of losing that bet is devastating, don't gamble. You don't have the money, the finances to do it, and that's okay. That's okay. Look, let me give you all a little bit of advice. If you like to gamble, especially on the NCAA tournament to join these these, uh, these these bracket challenges and all that, just save up. Just take $5 every week for the rest of the year. $5 every week and put that in a in special little spot. And when it comes this time of the year, you take that money you saved up, and that's what you gamble with. Bye-bang. Right. <laughs> Look at me saving lives, saving marriages, saving families. Listen, y'all have a good time. Enjoy the games. I'll see y'all next week.